Welcome to Boss Babies and Bottles, also known as B3, hosted by me, Jessica with a Y, where we talk about how to successfully run a business and capitalize on your strengths while joining motherhood, in my case, twin motherhood, and throwing some crazy shebangs along the way. So pop that bubbly or grab that glass of wine and get ready to unwind. Hello and welcome to Boss Babies in Bottles episode one, how I got into weddings. And let me tell you, I feel like I get this question a lot. Um, so, um, and if I'm a little bit out of breath today, I just want to point out it's obviously because I'm pregnant with twins and they sit right at my lungs, I feel like, or just kick my lungs. So I lose my breath a lot. Uh, so that's why I sound out of breath. But <laughs> how I got into weddings, I get this question a lot. And I just, I know, like, if you know me, my background is, I'm a double major in marketing and economics. And that's what I'm good at. I'm really good at business, sales, marketing, <laughs> economics, obviously. So I was just never one of those girls, uh, let's just say. I was a little tomboyish. I didn't have any Barbies. Actually, now that I think about it, I think I did have a drawer of Barbies somewhere in my room, but they were all discombobulated. I'm not even sure if I ever really played with them, uh, but I did have an N64 and I loved it and I still have it. And I don't play it that much, obviously, because you know, whatever, and I'm an adult now, but <laughs> I play with my cousins every once in a while when they sleep over and it's pretty awesome. But um, yeah, no, I was really never one of those girls that thought about like, oh, weddings and daydreaming and all that kind of stuff. And it was just really never one of my things, but um, I did do ballet for 10 years, which is actually pretty girly. Uh, both my aunts are prime ballerinas, so it was a really easy thing to get into because obviously it was in the house around all the time. And I did it from about more or less the age of 3 to 13, um, and I loved it. I really loved point. I loved dancing. I still do, if you know me. I definitely love to dance, although it's not ballet that I love to dance. I love to dance just normally now. But uh, when I was 13, more or less, the owner of the ballet studio, she divided the room and we didn't know what she was doing. Then we found out that she divided the room and she divided us into what she thought were prime ballerina bodies and what were not prime ballerina bodies. And obviously I was on the side that was not a prime ballerina body, if you've ever seen me. I was at the age of 12, I developed my puberty hit me hard, puberty hit me really hard, and I had pretty much, I was this, I'm pretty much the same height and uh, look that I have now, I had then. Um, I was fully developed at the age of 12, and so I definitely did not have that very skinny, long physique um, like my aunts had and like, you know, the other girls had. And so I was pretty offended by it because I was actually really good. And at that time, I was already trying, like, they were already trying to recruit me, a Taekwondo studio that my brother had been a part of for about a year. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go. And I'm going to go do Taekwondo. And I remember calling my dad and being like, hey, dad, just so you know, I'm quitting ballet. I really want to do karate. Is that okay? And he was like, you love ballet. I was like, I know, but this is what I want to do. And I was, again, 13. My parents divorced when I was 12, so this was directly after, I remember, pretty much. And it was probably the best decision I ever made. My brother, like I said, had started Taekwondo. And I used to go to these things called buddy days with him when it was that you were supposed to bring a friend with you to class to train with you. 
my brother had no friends. I mean, he did have one friend um, for a little while. I can't remember his name. But um, he, I was always his buddy <laughs> to his Taekwondo classes. And so, and the, the guys at the Taekwondo, all the instructors, they used to love me because I was a ballerina. So I was like super flexible. I could do all their kicks, leave my leg up there. It didn't even matter. I could do all the splits. It, it, it was like super natural for me. So the flexibility was there. I was super kick-ass and I loved fighting. That's like my favorite part of the sport. And it still is, to be honest. And, you know, as a sidebar, I would definitely say uh, that I cannot wait to not be pregnant so that I can fight again. It's weird, but I really miss fighting and I just want to punch something, someone. I shouldn't say someone, but really is someone. But I definitely want to punch something. <laughs> and so I'm super excited about it. Actually, me and my husband do boxing now, or we were. And I miss it. I just miss everything to do with it. That's really my, my full body workout. It's what I love to do. And I did Taekwondo for about 10 years in Krav Maga, which is an Israeli in self-defense, hand-to-hand combat. And I really just enjoy, you know, anything that has to do with self-defense, to be honest. I feel very confident uh, that I can defend myself and people around me. And I think that that's something that most women, if not all women, really, I should say, need. And so I'm a huge advocate towards self-defense. But I really started doing events, if you were to ask me, for Taekwondo. Um, They started to do tournaments, um, and I loved everything that has to do with that. I loved being in charge. I loved running around. I loved actually being the person that had a chicken without a head. Um, That's really what I liked to do. And I liked to call the shots and just make sure everything was super organized. And then the Taekwondo school also started doing kid parties. And this was all while I was in high school, by the way. This was my high school. This was my first job. Um, my first experience in the workforce, but you really don't interview at the, at the Taekwondo school and you pretty much just get to a kind of certain level and eventually you get hired. Like it's never a formal interview or anything crazy like that. It's basically your skills. So at some point in time, the Taekwondo school took up doing kid parties and I truly enjoyed that part, partly because of the money. I'm not going to even lie. <laughs> I made my normal minimum wage during the week. You know, again, I was 15, 15 years old when I started working. Um, so 15, 16, you know, making minimum wage earning. I probably not. I probably started earning a little bit more after that, but you earn your typical salary or your hourly rate throughout the week. And then for the kids parties, they kind of had an incentive and I was always the one that like volunteered my Saturdays for it. So we used to work on Saturdays till like nine, 9 a.m. till about I don't even want to say 8 a.m. because we used to have to train at 8. First class was at 9 a.m. And then our last class ended, I want to say it was like 1 p.m., 1 or 2. And then I would throw these kid parties. And the kid party packages that the karate school put together were only two hours. And it was our job to provide the food, the decorations, and the entertainment. It was like a one-stop shop. The parent would come in. You'd celebrate your birthday, your kid's birthday, for two hours, it was about, I want to say it was anywhere from like 10 to 20 kids. I can't remember. You had to pay per kid after you hit the limit that they gave you. And then you went from there. And it was awesome. I used to turn these parties. I used to do sometimes even do two per Saturday. And I would make, I want to say it was about 150 bucks a party. Somewhere between 100 and 200, I remember. I think it depended on my expenses, <laughs> which taught me to make sure that if I could do two in a day, then I could save myself the money on the decorations because we used to do balloons 
And so I would have to blow up these balloons and spend the money on that. <laughs> so I would do these parties back to back. So I would do the party, the entertainment, the whole thing clean. And then the next party would be coming in. And I would do, like I said, one to two of these on Saturdays. And I would make, let's say, about 150 bucks each party. That was literally my whole entire week plus more <laughs> on just Saturday. And it was awesome. And I really enjoyed it so much because they were fast. They were easy. And I was just really good at them, to be honest. And I was so good at them that the parents started to hire me to do their kids' parties outside and basically really just be the entertainment for the kids. Not really plan the party for them, but just go to their parties and kind of just take over the kid portion of the party and all the entertainment to make sure that the parents could have fun. And I thought that that was awesome. I had such a great time. My sister actually used to come with me and her mom, and it was awesome. We had a great time, and that's what I used to do on Saturday nights. I did have a boyfriend-ish, I want to say, at some point in time during all of that. Um, but I did not mind the few Saturdays that I had to take off uh, from going out to, um, to be able to do these parties. It was, it was really just kind of how I got into it, to be honest. And again, I was really good at it, and I remember... Uh, my mom kind of pointing it out to me and being like, you're really good at this. <laughs> my sister's mom, and I'll talk more about her later. Um, her name is Yoli. Uh, my sister's name is Ileana. So I'll talk about them a little bit later. But I actually thought my whole life, kind of growing up, actually, I, I wanted to be an astrologer when I was younger. Uh, an astronomer, I'm sorry. Uh, when I was younger, younger, I don't know why I messed that up. Astrologer. Yes, I wanted to foresee your future through your... <laughs> through your date of birth. No, I did not want to be an astrologer. I wanted to be an astronomer. And then I realized I had to go to New York. And I don't know why at that, when I was much younger, I was like, I don't want to go to New York. <laughs> I want to stay in Miami. So I took that out of the window. Nor, no, I did not have to go to New York, but for whatever reason, as a kid, I don't know who put that in my head. Uh, but I love everything that has to do with the planets and space and just all that jazz. Uh, my husband will tell you he thinks I'm weird. But then I wanted to go into medicine, um, and I really wanted to go in the medical field, and I had a strong calling towards it, and I loved science and math. Those were my two strongest subjects in school. And so I really thought I was going to be a pediatrician for a really long time, especially because I loved children. And then little by little, I realized that I really probably wanted to be more like a chiropractor because I really loved everything that had to do with like just natural healing the body healing itself and just everything that kind of had to align with the spine and anything that was chiropractory I thought was amazing and so that's what I really went in for and so in high school I literally took every science class I could possibly take I'm not even gonna lie anything that was offered or could be offered and so I took I mean you name it physics anatomy physiology I took bio biology uh, I took obviously AP biology I had my AP bio teacher come up with a lab class. <laughs> it was the first year. So I could play with different um, things throughout this lab. Like I got to play with like centrifuges and I used to be able to dissect different animals all the different time. I could do whatever I wanted. So just imagine you could do whatever you wanted bio-wise in this. And it was awesome and such a great class. I'm so glad he did that that year and it was only like four or five of us in the class it was awesome and then I also took AP chemistry there was only two of us in that class uh, but I did AP chemistry independent study because there was only two they did not do a whole class for it so we had to actually do it on our own which was pretty crazy um so literally any science class I could take I took and I went into my senior year really thinking I was going to do medicine 
And so I applied to different medical schools throughout the States, but knowing that my head really wanted to get into the University of Miami. That is, if you know me, you know I'm a hardcore UM fan. I love UM, everything to do with the University of Miami. And so I knew that if I got in there, that's what I really was going to do. I did go check out some other schools, Cornell being one of them, of course, in New York and Ithaca. And I remember telling myself while I was up there, I was like, no, I really just want to go to UM. Like, I don't like the cold. And if you know me now, you know that I just still do not like the cold. I'll go there for a little bit. I'll enjoy it for like a few days, a week on vacation. But I'm just like not a cold person. I'm more of a tropical person. Not much I can do about that. So I got into the University of Miami and I was so excited. I got the little packet with the stickers. I remember the day like if it was the other day. Um, And I was more excited about that um, piece of mail than I was about any other school that I got into. And so I ended up doing a bridge program with the University of Miami and an honors college in our community college here. Well, not a community. It's not a community college, but it's called called Miami-Dade Honors College. Um, And so I did a bridge program with the University of Miami, which was great because I had everything paid for for the first two years of college. Um, all my books, everything. Um, and so I was able to save all of my scholarship money, all the money my parents put away, all the money that I had put away, um, all the money that I had earned through um, Florida Bright Futures, like I said, scholarships, any of that stuff. I was able to just kind of save it all. And my aunt was super helpful. She helped me put it in a CD, interest-bearing CD. Which now looking back, I wish I would have done something riskier with it, but um, I was not a risk taker back then, nor am I too much now. My husband's more of the risk taker, but um, it was great because I could was making some extra money on it, but it was sitting there and working for me at the same time. And I was able to go to my first two years of school for free uh, completely while still, like I said, saving money. So I knew my parents weren't really going to afford to put me through school, so I had to come up with something because I did not want to be one of those people that graduated with gazillions of dollars worth of debt. I just didn't think that that was the right thing to do. So for me, this bridge program was amazing. And then I actually started to do um, the sales side of the karate school, which was a lot of fun for me. At first, I wasn't actually that good at it, so I will admit to that. Um, So in the karate school, I was always like an assistant instructor, which was basically someone who used to help teach the classes, wasn't the head instructor, but I could teach the classes on my own. I knew what I was doing. I was certified. I had to take exams, the whole thing. And then I started to do the office portion of the karate school, which was a really cool job. It was very much more adult-like, and I'm pretty sure I was still in high school, maybe my first year of college when I started doing this. And I had to learn how to sell and introduce new um, parents to the karate school, how to sell to them, how to explain the programs to them, um, how to do intro classes for these newer students, um, how to deal with the numbers and the payments and taking payments, and just, again, more of the business side of the whole thing. And it was a really great experience. Again, I was not good at the sales portion of it at the beginning, but at some point in time, little by little, I got much better at it. I remember my instructor sitting me down and he's like, you're going to learn this. Like, you're going to figure this out. And I remember being so frustrated at first. I was like, am I though? This seems like a little hard. Like, I don't know if I'm really that kind of salesy. And he's like, you're going to figure it out. And I was actually really good at enrolling new students because I did firmly believe in our Taekwondo program. What I really wasn't good at was how to get parents to pay their memberships in full. I was not good at that at first. Um, And then I got much, much better at it when I understood, I think, 
really the value of money and just how much people made. I was 16 or 17 at the time, uh, so 17, 18 really, and I didn't really understand the value of money as most people don't at that age. And so it was really hard for me to grasp how I was going to tell these parents to pay a membership in full at first. And then I got really good at it. And so when I was done with my first year of college, so I was still 18, in the summer, I took summer classes. <laughs> I thought that that would be a good idea. That was not. But I did take summer classes all in the morning. I was done by like 9 a.m. It was grueling to wake up early and be done with classes by 9 in the morning. Um, but during the summer. But I also wanted to do a summer job. So I had these classes until 9. Then I didn't start at my job at the karate school until... I want to say it was about 3.30, yes, because our first class was at 4.30, and then we would finish more or less around like 9.30 p.m. with everything, and so, and that first summer, I had like this big gap in the middle of the day, and I thought it would be a great idea to get a job, to get another job, so I can earn some extra income, and so I thought I would be a waitress. I thought that being a waitress would be the coolest job. I was like, I'm going to be so good at this job, people aren't even going to know what to do, and I know if you know anybody who gets into that branch of the hospitality industry will tell you like if you get a good job waitressing at a you know at a good restaurant a lot of them get really used to that kind of money and they don't leave so I'm kind of glad I didn't but I really thought I would be good at it I still kind of think I would be good at it except <laughs> I'm actually kind of klutzy which my husband will tell you <laughs> I drop a lot of things um, especially now pregnant, I have carpal tunnel on my hands, so I drop a lot more. So he's not very happy with me these days, but I'm just a klutzy person a little bit in general. <laughs> so, but I really thought waitressing that I would be really good at it because I had a really good memory or so I told myself, I'm not sure if I do now <laughs> in my latter years of life, but right before I started looking for a job, right before school ended, I got a letter in the mail from this company called Vector Marketing. And if you've heard of it, then you know a little bit about it. But basically, it was to sell Cutco products, which are different cutlery products for the kitchen. Um, so basically, crazy knife people, as they like to call themselves. And it was, if you've heard anything about it, it is an absolutely fun, but yet insane kind of job to do and very different. Uh, but they recruit college students. That's basically what they do. And um, I sold Cutco for the summer, and I did really, really well. And I do base a lot of my success based on this experience that I received with Cutco. Whether you like the program or you don't like the program or the way that they do things, that is not what I'm talking about. But what I learned from them, I will tell you that without that experience, I wouldn't be where I am today. Um, my degree is in marketing and economics, and I feel like I learned more with the, how long was I with them for? I was probably with them in total for six, seven years. I learned more with Cutco and Vector Marketing in those six, seven years than I have in anything else I have ever done. You know, putting all of my education together, all of my time in the Christ, I mean, it doesn't really matter. I, what I learned through them was incredibly valuable. Um, I learned how to deal with rejection, which I think is just huge. And a lot of people do not learn these days and don't understand Hearing no and what to do when they hear no. Problem solving, like I'm so good at that. And that's a lot of that had to do with that. I learned how to talk to people, interview people, manage people, 
how to deal with different types of personalities, how to deal with clients, unhappy clients, um, clients that <laughs> clients that needed needed different things. I learned how to not cold call, but just be on the phone and just call different people that I did not know. wasn't necessarily cold, wasn't cold calling because we did get them as leads and referrals, but it was very close to it. And so, just learning how to deal with all those kinds of things that are very salesy, businessy rejection. Like I said, I mean, you just uh, we learned just so 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 much. And my first summer, I was a representative, um, so I just sold Cutco. And so I did really well. They, they base you off of like your first 10 days. They call it a fast start and they measure how much, not measure, but <laughs> they keep track of how much you sell in your first 10 days. And you're supposed to go like really hard and work really hard those first 10 days to kind of really make a name for yourself. And in my first 10 days, I sold over $15,000 worth of knives. Yes. Of knives and <laughs> kitchen products. And it was crazy. I really didn't think anything of it. I was, again, very much of an overachiever. And so that was always really good. And so I loved it. I had did really well at it, right? And who, how do you not love something that you do well at that you're also making good money, you know? Made a lot of money that summer, sold over $30,000 worth of knives, and it was great. And I moved quickly into their management program the first fall. So I probably only really sold for about two and a half months, maybe. And I was already being promoted to an assistant in the office and training to be a manager. I did not give up my karate school job. So I literally held these two jobs plus six classes. Um, so it wasn't easy. I would say this is probably, this was probably the hardest part or, or I didn't, not really, but it was, it, I had very long days. I would start my classes super early. I remember waking up somewhere around five-ish in the morning. By the time I was done with homework and eating and showering, which was a whole other thing, and again, that was even if I did homework, I'm not going to lie, I wasn't really the most studious person, but I, I, did, uh, I did really well in school, but I wasn't studious. I graduated number five in my high school, and I was the top of my class as well in, I don't remember, I don't think they did numbers in college, they did just you know, summa culare and stuff like that. And so um, I was really good at school. I wasn't necessarily the most studious, but I did really well. But those were really long days for me. I remember not sleeping much and just, again, 5, 6 a.m. wake-ups and going to bed, you know, whenever I was done with everything, um, which was always pretty late. And so I held those two jobs plus six classes um, that whole year. And then throughout that year, um, Cutco started talking to me and Vector about becoming a manager, but in Puerto Rico for them. They were like, this is great. You speak Spanish. You can totally go down there and, <clears throat> and just have the, your own office there and you get to live on an island. And they basically sold me about this whole beautiful experience. And mind you, at this point, I'm like 19, 20 years old and I'm like living on an island for the summer. This sounds amazing. Of course I want to go. But I also knew it was going to be a lot of work. I knew I wasn't going for fun. So I definitely don't want to make it sound like that. I knew I was going to work, but I knew it was going to be untapped potential. Um, little did I know that they were trying, they had, been they had been trying to open up offices in Puerto Rico for the last few years. And they hadn't been successful. But I was going to be the first one down there in a really long time. Um, and so... I convinced my friend at the time, Jojo, who was also with me selling knives and training, 
to be my assistant and to come down with me. And I'm sure she thought the exact same thing. Actually, I know she did because we still talk about it. She's like, yeah, I get to go live in a, on an island for the whole summer. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> so we really thought it was a great idea. And so we decided that we were going to move down there together and do it. <laughs> now, I know most of you might, <laughs> some of you might be Hispanic. Some of you might have strict parents. Some don't come from a Hispanic background where you don't really leave the house until you're married. <laughs> that was not the case for me. I, I obviously moved when I was 20 years old to Puerto Rico. And um, with my parents being divorced, I don't really remember my mom giving, too, giving me too much of an issue about it. My dad did give me a little bit of pushback on moving away. And then me and my grandmother are really close, my mom's mom. And she was like, you're going to do what? You're going where? No, you're not. <laughs> I was like no, I am. I'm going to go do this. And when you run a branch office, which for um, Cutco Vector, that is basically a temporary office that you run for only during the summertime. And it's a really great experience. They give you money to do it, but you also have to put forth some money for your personal expenses. And so again, I mentioned this to my grandmother and she was not having it. Um, and my family, my grandmother and my grandfather who has, who passed away, they started this steel company in Miami where they did really well for themselves. And my grandfather did an amazing job. So I bless his soul. And then my uncle went to school for architecture and really added to that business. And so I think growing up, I, sp I spent a lot of time there. I don't, I don't think I did. I really did spend a lot of time growing up down at, uh, at their business. And I really thought that that's where life would take me, that one day I would work there with them doing something. I wasn't sure what, what my role was going to be or anything. I just really always thought that that was where it was because during the summers, that's where me and my brother would spend our time because my grandmother would look over us while my parents were working, especially if there was no summer school or summer camp during those weeks. And so I think as I grew up, I realized that that wasn't going to happen. But once I told my grandmother that I was moving to Puerto Rico, She told my uncle, and right away, like, can we have lunch? And he's like, it would be great if you could come and work and be here with us. And, you know, we came up with this whole amazing, beautiful business strategy and role for me at the company. And it was everything I had wanted to hear. And yet, for whatever reason, I was not convinced. And I wasn't convinced because I was so convinced in the opportunity and the thought of moving to Puerto Rico and doing this on my own. And again, it was riskier. Staying with my family would have been less risky. And God knows how my life would have turned out at this point. But moving to Puerto Rico and doing what I did was a lot riskier. But I was so sold on the idea by the time that they came up to me with it that as my uncle's explaining this to me, I'm sitting there and I'm like, this would be awesome. This would have been awesome. This is not what I want though anymore. And so I left. So my family did not really take it too well. But I left, I did it, and I was there for a total of five years in Puerto Rico, three years full-time where I lived there, obviously, the majority of the time, and my first two years were on and off. I worked, I lived there for the summer, so about three to four months, and I would go back twice a month, and so I was there for a total of five years, and I, I would have to say that that was, those were the hardest, and yes, most rewarding, most rewarding years of my life. By far. I have the craziest stories of my life there. Um, 
a few of the funny yet crazy ones. I remember when I first moved there the first year, me and Jojo got there. We had quote-unquote set up ourselves an apartment and an office by the time we got there. And when we got there, the apartment fell through and we had to sleep the first two or three nights in the office. And that was absolutely insane, Um, which I will say more stories about that probably later. But it was crazy. We had no hot water, no AC, like all the typical things that you would get from here we did not get over there and it was just so different the way world was and I we spoke Spanish both me and Jojo we spoke Spanish but we spoke what I would now consider to be a very Miami Spanish which is not Spanish at all (laughs) we (laughs) spoke a very good Spanglish and over there they speak Spanish Spanish and so we really had to almost like relearn the language because everything we did we had to do in full-blown Spanish. So we had to train our receptionists and our employees in Spanish and our interviews were in Spanish and our trainings were in Spanish to our representatives. And anything that I had to do with my managers was in Spanish. And it was just just a, just a different world completely for us. And it was absolutely insane. And I remember the first day back, the first day back, the second year, my purse got stolen from the car. It was my fault for even leaving it in the car to begin with. But it was literally two minutes. I literally went upstairs to grab something and came back down and the car was broken into. It was crazy. It was just a different world. Um, but I'm so grateful for that opportunity because we ha- we learned so much. We grew so much. Um, and it taught me a lot. In my first summer, uh, we sold over $200,000 worth of knives that summer, um, me and my team. And it was, we were the number one branch office in the Eastern region, in my region. Not the number one overall, (laughs) but the number one in our region, which was really good for a first timer. And I'll never take back, you know, the experiences I had over there. And um, speaking of that first night that we had to sleep in the office, I remember we were sleeping on an air mattress on the floor. And if, if Jojo tells you the story, she'll tell you a lot crazier than She'll, she'll definitely dramatize it more, more than I would, but we're sleeping on an air mattress on the floor. We were exhausted. We had just, again, landed there, and I felt like, and I, I think I put this in my journal one year, or one time when I, when I was writing about our experience there, I, I felt like we were just dropped off. So, like, imagine, you know, like, when they drop off the army soldiers in the middle of nowhere, and they just literally parachute them down? That's how we felt, we felt like we were just parachuted into the middle of this island and we had no idea what was going to happen. And every once in a while in the summer, they would drop off like supplies and a little bit of hope, <laughs> like little care packages throughout the summer randomly. And we just felt like we were just there, left there to survive. And it was, again, the hardest thing I, we had ever done. But we're sleeping on this air mattress to get back to the store again. I always told you guys, I'm going to go on tangents. I, that's just what I do. But we're sleeping on this air mattress. I had no idea what time it is. And all of a sudden, we hear the gate from downstairs because our office was on the second floor. We hear the gate from downstairs, like somebody trying to open it. And I remember looking at Jojo and waking up and kind of being like, oh, it's probably just like a homeless person. Like, it'll be okay. Like, they have to get through that gate, then our front door, and then to us. So she's freaking out. And I'm just like, I oh, will be okay. No worries. All of a sudden, I see that and I hear the click 
of the gate opening. Like they had gotten it open. And she looks at me and she goes, they're in. And I'm like, well, I still have to get through the front door. Then I look at the front door and I realize the front door is made of glass. And I'm like, oh, they can just break it. Great. So I go, I don't know why, but all we had with us was like very few items, but we had one of our knife set blocks with us. How did we get there with that? I don't really remember. We must have shipped it to the office beforehand. So we had this one knife set block. And I remember telling her to grab the knife. I grabbed one, she grabbed one, but she stayed under the desk. And I had one in my hand, ready to go for whenever this intruder appeared. We kept the lights off and the whole thing. And all of a sudden, I hear the click also of the front door. And this person comes in and the lights turn on. And it was the cleaning lady, guys. And we had already called the cops the whole thing. I mean, like, Jojo had already called the cops. I was dealing with the intruder with the knife in my hand. But um, we had called the cops the whole thing. And it was just the cleaning lady. And it was, like, the scariest thing. I swear to God, my heart was going to come out of my chest. But I was ready to kill somebody with this knife in my hand, for sure. And the cleaning lady, God bless her soul. Like, she was probably, like, 60-ish years old. And I'm sure she had a heart attack. I don't think we ever saw her again after that moment, now that I think about it. I'm pretty sure that they had to end up hiring another cleaning lady. Um, but it was definitely an experience, and we have just so many of those. I remember having to dry our hair in, in fans, and again, having to take cold showers, and not necessarily always having um, food, because I can't remember. I think our refrigerator broke in one of those, and we would get out so late sometimes we had no idea what we were going to eat. Um, so it was definitely an experience to move down there. The way that Puerto Rico does business is very different than the way the U.S. does. Um, you actually have to make lines to turn on your water and light versus here. You don't even have to call Florida, Florida Power and Light FPL to get your light. You could just literally tell them, hey, I moved. This is my new address, and they will automatically turn on the light. That is not the way things work over there. Everything over there is super, 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 super slow and inefficient. If you could find the most inefficient way to do something, that's the way they do it. And I'm not even being offensive because I love the island with all my heart and, it's, and all the people in it. But it's just definitely one of the hardest things, like I said, I had ever done at that time. And that first summer taught me a lot, uh, but it also left me, um, it changed me a lot. It really did. And... I left that summer with a few of my representatives being able to go into the management training, which was great. And that's why I ended up having to go back twice a month to run their management trainings and to get them ready for our second summer. And our se my second summer there, again, was my, it was my last summer as a college student. So I was going into my senior year. And so um, during that time, I'm going back, I'm running these trainings for them and getting them ready for our quote unquote, second branch summer, which was going to be so much better. I threw myself the craziest 21st birthday in that time frame. Um, and this probably should have told me that I was supposed to be a party planner, wedding planner, event planner at that point in time, but I didn't. I threw myself, when I tell you the craziest 21st birthday, I mean, people still talk about that party and I still see pictures and <laughs> wonder what was I thinking, but it was so much fun. Um, I remember one of the ideas we had come up with was instead of doing a champagne toast, we would do shot glass toast and it came out in this really cool thing uh, with dry ice coming out of it like fog. We had this candy station and dessert station which back in the day didn't even exist like it wasn't even a thing. 
Um, I had outfit changes. We had the DJ. We had the bar. I mean, this was like the craziest 21st birthday you could possibly imagine. It was really a redo of my quinces. Okay, if you know anything about the Hispanic culture, you will know that the uh, 15s, right, your quince is a really big deal. I did not, I don't want to say I didn't enjoy mine, but I definitely enjoyed my 21st a lot more. Obviously, the age was a big thing, but I was just able to make more decisions, I think, myself, and it was really awesome. So I threw myself a killer 21st birthday, went back, ran my second branch summer, broke the record. It was number one branch um, in <laughs> Uh, in the actual company itself and it was and that record I think just got broken not too long ago um, I was legit I had just just an amazing experience an amazing team um, the culture that I was able to create down there was just insane um, and I can definitely talk forever about it because I love it so much but um, it allowed me to not to make money to graduate debt to graduate debt free um, and legit save all of my scholarship money and cutco money because I ended up transferring to FIU, which I forgot to mention, to finish my business degree because I ended up switching over to business um, after I graduated from UM. So um, it was really great. And I made, like I said, great money, but I also earned experience that has really taken me through my whole life up at this point and I know will continue um, to really be the backbone of my success. Um, and so... I came back, finished my senior year, and went out and did my uh, what they consider the career path with them, which is called district. And at district, uh, as a district manager, you run your office year-round. So again, this is when I had moved full-time. I missed being number one in the company that year by very little, but the second year, which was a full year, I won number one. We won what we call a silver cup, which is just, I mean, the, the best that you could possibly do won a Rolex with the company. I was number one for years to come and it was just awesome. And then by year three, I was 25 years old, close to a super bonus of $60,000. And I was running meetings, conferences, and events for Puerto Rico. So on top of running my office and developing managers for Puerto Rico, I started to run the corporate events. And this is where I really got to dive into events per se, right? So my first love of it came from Taekwondo and then it really kind of became what I needed to do for the island of Puerto Rico. Because it was such a small island, they didn't have a quote unquote event manager to run these events for the island. So I really took on that role and I did it for fun. And I loved to go to the hotels and negotiate the pricing and run these meetings and just be all in. And so um, that's where I really got a, a big feel for corporate events and what that was like. And in Puerto Rico, I went from one office, which was mine in San Juan, up to 11 offices by the time I finished and left there. And that was definitely a feat. And the island of Puerto Rico luckily is still um, not as strong, but definitely still there. And it's super exciting to see that one of the people that is running Puerto Rico right now was one of the one of the gentlemen from my office. So it's really, really cool, again, to see that there's still a legacy down there. And I was able to build that. And again, that experience is something that I will never forget. Um, and so when it was time for me to move back home, or when I thought it was time for me to move back home after my third year of being there, I 
told the company I wanted to move back home and they didn't necessarily believe me, <laughs> I feel like. Uh, but I did let them know I was coming back home, gave them a few months to try to find somebody to replace me. I did try to train someone to replace me and they did for, for quite some time and, and they, they did very well as well. Um, and so I came back and I was like, okay, now I'm back home. What am I going to do? And to be honest, I wasn't really sure. And I had some money in the bank and I was like, let me just figure out what I want to do. And I remember, um, my sister's mom telling me you should do, you know, like party and event planning. Like you love that. And I was like, eh, after doing something so grandiose as I had just done, I wasn't sure if that was really what I wanted to do. Again, I had never seen myself doing that. But I was like, you know what? It's worth a shot to try it. And so I entered with I interned with three different wedding planners on three different weekends. I tried it out with them. And I remember after the third one saying, you know, I could do this myself. Like, I could do actually better than them. And I and that's a very confident statement, I feel like. But after doing it with three different wedding planners for three different weekends, I was like, you know what? I don't really think they do it that well. I'm going to do this myself, my way, and I'm going to run my own business. And that, my friends, is how EBJ was born. And that's how I got into weddings. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I cannot wait to chat with you guys soon. So make sure if you haven't already, subscribe to our next episode and follow my craziness on Instagram at ebjevents and at canal.twins. I promise you, something's always happening.